are so thankful that you have um, allowed us to, to be um, under him and to receive from him. Uh, Holy Spirit, we just ask that you uh, fill him up with authority and boldness um, and clarity of mind tonight as he speaks to us. Father, we want to receive from you um, through him. In Jesus' name, amen. I like to touch people. Karen said I couldn't touch anybody tonight. So he touched me. I almost wanted to say, don't touch me. That's because but, uh, in the Old Covenant, you touch a leper and you get unclean. In the New Testament, you touch a leper and they get cleaned. And so sickness, with sickness, you know, we can pray for healing. Thank you. Thank you. I received that. We'd appreciate prayer from you because I will be going down to Arkansas on Friday. Some of you prayed for Josiah, and he is now with the Lord, and I, he's not on this earth anymore. And so there's been quite a response, uh, and they're expecting a lot of his friends to come. And so it's an opportunity to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to people who are really broken and sorrowing the loss of a of a brother. He was kind of like a father to his siblings because his dad was out of the picture. And so uh, it's a huge loss for for the family. So, uh, Erica, Erica is going down and be singing Israel and Johanna. And Karis went down on Monday with Karsten. So, and Andrew Homestead also, yes. So um, Monday... The Harvest Project is going to be teaming up with John Tolo. Months ago, as we were praying about where we were to go with this ministry, the Lord said we were to add fuel, add flame, add gas to fires. And we understood that to mean that we were to be an encouragement to ministries. And that word continues to come. It came even tonight as we were praying Dan had the picture of pollinating, bees pollinating. And so we are going to pollinate with John Tolo's ministry and to do whatever we can do to strengthen it. I talked today to a pastor of a church about this size and this kind of people, young adults. And he says, we've heard about you, and I'd like to meet you. And I said, I'd like to meet you. They want to plant other churches. I'm going to tell them when we meet together, what, what can we do to help you? How can, we, how can we fire up what you are doing? So we want to be helpers. So if you want to come with us, what we're doing is uh, John has another house. They're refurbishing the house to uh, make it a men's house. This, I think, is number four or five. 
They've got a vision to transform Frogtown. What a godly vision. And we can come along and serve them. So we're very excited about what that could mean. It could mean helping them start a thrift store. We've got some people here that want to start a thrift store, a food bank, a church, plant a church right in Frogtown, and go to what I know some people saying, if you start a church, I'm going there. We want to understand what it means to care for the poor in a physical, tangible way. We get spiritual and God gets physical. We want, to, we want to grow up to God and God comes down to us. We're going to start celebrating starting next Sunday. It's Advent. We celebrate the God who came down to us, physical. We could touch him. We've seen him with our eyes. We looked upon him and handled the word of life. So that's pretty powerful that God comes to us in bread and wine and the mystery of water and baptism and physical ways. And so we want to get physical. Wear dirty clothes because you're going to get dirty anyway. Or you can wear real nice clothes and see how dirty you can make them. <laughs> However you want to do it. We're happy to have Jess with us. Jess wrote a book recently. Where is Jess? There he is. He wrote a book on spiritual warfare. I've got some money here, Jess. I wanted to give you this copy for free because for free what am I going to do for that then that'll be for two other people then or sell it into another ministry just because I want to honor this guy because um, the book that you're seeing in your hands is actually the indirect fruit of this man's ministry and he's been at it for decades and loving Jesus so I just wanted to honor this guy too thank you my wife won't like this but I'm going to hug you <laughs> Thank you, Jess. Thank you for the book. Also, Understanding. Uh, Go ahead. Also, um, I want to make, make it available to everyone because I know that we're probably... How many of us like YWAM? Yeah. Well, Mark Anderson renamed YWAM kind of as a joke. He said, youth without any money. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, suggested a donation of $10, but if you don't have any money... It, um, just give whatever you, you want to give because I want to make this available just because uh, this man and this community here has so blessed my life. Cool. Thank you, Jess. That's very kind of you. Okay. All right. I want to talk about honoring your father and mother tonight. And I want to do it because... There are 10 big ones, right? What am I speaking about? Okay. Where are they written? In the Bible. In the Bible. <laughs> but they're also written in our hearts. That the law of God might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. There is one that's different from all the others. It's number this or number this, depending upon how you count. Lutherans count different than the other Protestants. We count it number four. I don't know why. Don't ask me why. What is it? Okay, and Paul is saying that as he opens up uh, in his letter, Ephesians chapter 6. And he is saying to children... Very simply, obey 
your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. And then he says, which is the first commandment with a promise. It's the only commandment with a promise. And what's the promise? Not only a long life, it'll go well. How much would people pay for to have a life that they guaranteed it would go well for them? How much would people pay? Some would pay millions, wouldn't they? How, how much would people pay if there was a guarantee that they would live a long life? I think a lot of people would pay a lot of bucks. Young people, this is an incredible promise, and it's for you conditionally. You can forfeit it by foolishness, and you can embrace it by submission and obedience to your parents. Now, I understand I'm speaking to people, many of whom are outside the home. doesn't matter. You can still honor your parents. My wife is a great example of honoring her parents. They're in 89, and I've watched her this last week and a half, the way she honors her parents and the way she serves them. They're reaping. They honored their parents, my mom and dad, who are 89. Mm -hmm. Just think about that. And they won't be here next week, so let's say thank you for their example in our midst. It's so important to Paul, who as he's writing to the to his friend Timothy, his son in the faith, he says that in the last days there will be terrible times. People, listen to this list. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive. What's the next one? Disobedient to parents. See, this is not a little deal for Paul. Disobedience to parents is ranked for Paul, among the chief of sins, because it strips you, it forfeits your future. He also says the same thing in Romans. He has a similar list where he describes the ungodly, and he includes disobedient to parents with, uh, let me see, God-haters, insolent, slanders, gossips, arrogant, boastful, disobedient to parents. So I want you to know my heart tonight. I desire that you get it all. And if anybody here that's listening is wise, you're going to want to say, I want to go for this. I want a long life. I've, I've told my kids I want to live. I plan to live to be 100. I believe I will. Because by God's grace, I was able to honor my parents. As I talked about, as I as I worked on this, I said, oh, my, I wish I would have done that. I wish I would have done these things. wish I would have done more. But I think they would say that I did honor them, and I'm expecting to carry the fruit of that into the 100, 100 years, and I don't plan on retiring until I'm 95, as God gives me grace. I know that sounds funny, but I, I take it seriously. Uh, so I, I plan on doing that. Paul is serious about this, and it's a it's a... 
It's not a sin. We, we, we totem pole sins, and we put some at the bottom of the list, and this would not be at the top of our list, but it would be up there for Paul because he knows the ramifications of it. If you don't learn how to honor your parents, it's going to be hard for you to submit to authority, and you're going to wreck your life. You're going to wreck your job. You're going to wreck your relationships. You're going to wreck your marriage if you can't be a, a person that knows how to submit. So I want to pray Thank you, Dan, for your prayer. I want to pray for you. He prayed for me. I'm going to pray for you as we share together. And as you listen, I'm going to have about four or five people share with me in this message as well. So um, please open your heart to what the Lord would say to you tonight, what the Spirit would say to this church. Father, give me grace to, to uh, give what you've put in my heart and give my friends grace to hear, listen, and obey. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask uh, Jacob and Lauren and Andrew and Sarah to come up here. And as they're coming, I'll tell you that I gave to the, pro- to the Harvest Project this assignment. It was a threefold assignment. You do three things. First of all, you express gratitude, and you do it as long as you can. I don't mean say two things that they were kind to you when you, when you were young, but make a long list of things and write it out and give it to them so it becomes a trophy for your mom. The second thing is you sit down and you ask them, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? As I thought about this, I thought how strange it is that many of us, many of you, pick your own major. Don't ask your parents. Don't ask your parents about your relationships. Don't ask your parents about your future career. Some of you do, but many don't. And how, how wonderful it would be to have self-awareness brought to us through the people who know us best and love us most. So they did that. The third thing was think back of where you rebelled against them. I know you've probably confessed at one time or another, but I want you to lump it all together, sit down with them, and say, I am so sorry, so sad for the way I rebelled against you, the way I hurt you, the way I went against you. If they're sending you out and confess, confess them at that time. So they did that, and they're going to see fruit because it built relationships. I would urge you to consider the same. I'm going to send you this message, and uh, then I'll also send you the assignment I gave to them. And if you want to fulfill, honor your father and mother, do those three things. So just come, come one at a time. Here, Jacob. You're... <laughs> All right, so... I'm not in the Harvest Project, but about a year ago, I was uh, in a men's group with Paul and a couple other guys. And a <laughs> um, big part of my testimony is that in high school, I got a lot of just bitterness and anger towards my parents. And uh, by the end of high school and going into college, I pretty much didn't want anything to do with them. And uh, a lot of it was just, you know, a lot of it was my fault, but there was things from them that I, you know, may not have thought I had uh, um, like may I thought I might not have gotten like, you know, and so, uh, through all the bitterness, I <laughs> ended up coming here one night and Paul and another guy prayed for me and gave me this challenge. And it took me about a week to write up this letter for my parents. And I was really nervous sending it to him cause I'd never really talked to them like that. And we hadn't really ever connected about anything before. And so I, um, sent it to him and I got responses, separate responses back from both of them. And they were, 
really happy. And the cool thing is that um, I could say before them that I haven't really ever talked to them about just about anything in my life, you know, just surface stuff. And like I grew up in a Christian home and it was really good, but I never heard anything about their faith. And so um, the fun thing is that I've been like did that about a year ago. And so I've been able to see as like the year progresses, just been able to get closer to them and over the summer. And as I got married this summer that just like, I was able to see them growing as well in their faith because we've been able to talk together and we've shared things and they've encouraged me a whole lot. There was a time a month or so ago where I was going through a big decision and do it, trying to do homework and studying. And my mom calls me for some trivial little thing. And she, um, ends up talking to me for about an hour about all the stuff I was going through and giving me incredibly good advice. And then at the end, just sharing what she's been learning from the Lord with me and just on a like one-on-one, like, you know, almost like peer basis instead of like, you know, I'm your mom, this is how it's supposed to be, you know? And it was so much of a blessing to me just to hear how she's been growing and actually connect with them for one of the first times in my life. So, Is that good fruit? When I went down to um, marry Jacob and Maggie, his parents, whom I never met before, came up to me and, thank you, our, our son is becoming a man. And they were so grateful for what had trans, uh, transcribed in his life and grateful for what God's doing for Jacob. Way to go, Jacob. Okay. Hi, I'm Lauren, and I am in the Harvest Project, and I, I grew up in a in a awesome family. I have a I'm very blessed in, in that I have um, parents who love me and care about me, and and brothers. And um, but the thing is, I think with with my family, we we know that we love each other and that we care about each other, but we're not necessarily vocal in how we communicate that and in affirming one another. And um, so this this assignment was very challenging to me because that's just not normal, even though like we all long for that. We all long for that intimacy. And so it was a challenge for me to kind of step out. And I think that that is the most that I got out of, out of the three things that was kind of the biggest, um, I guess, blessing that came from that. But then I think what what God did through through it was actually more of a work inside of me than even necessarily within relationships and, and my parents and then my my family in general. And it actually um, just a revelation. We were we were talking here um, after we all did it, and we were kind of talking about how it went. And I don't know if Paul said it or if someone someone said it, I don't know, but we were we we're kind of talking about how we all have like dreams and desires and. and um, kind of what a future, what we want our future family to be like. We all want it to be filled with life and love and joy. Um, But if we aren't intentionally pursuing our relationships with our family now, like how do we think we're going to get that in the future? And I've been praying for my future family for so long, but it's like I've never like been intentional about my relationships with my brothers and my parents. And so I think that that revelation really stirred within me. And then um, even just the opportunity to to walk in humility. I think anytime we get that opportunity to walk in love and humility, um, God God promises that we'll get grace and that He'll exalt the humble. So why wouldn't we take that? So yeah, it was a huge huge blessing. I really encourage all of you guys, no matter where your family dynamics is, to to step out in that because God will totally meet you there. So. I'm Sarah. I'm also in the Harvest Project. And uh, when I first saw that this was our assignment for the week, I thought, oh, great, this will be uh, interesting. 
<clears throat> but and really, I mean, I guess it depends on like where we're at with our parents, with the relationships, but I didn't really know like how serious things would be and like kind of resurfacing dirt and like what, you know, how we wronged our parents and our upbringing. But um, really they were extremely like receptive and open to hearing me bring up these things. So just like if this is something that you want to do, um, really be careful with like the standards that you set because they can, um, it's very humbling to like publicly confess the um, like your mistakes, let alone to your own parents. So um, like Lauren said, the same verse came to my mind too, that those who humble themselves will, um, God will exalt them. So, you know, blowing or bringing yourself um, like before your parents and just confessing what you did, it really wasn't awkward. Like they were really, really receptive of it. So yeah, it's good. Raise it up a little bit. Um, for <laughs> maybe I'll kneel down. Um, for me, um, yeah, I grew up in a Christian home, and my dad is in ministry, and I eventually kind of rebelled against my parents uh, at the end of high school, and so I had done some things like this before, but just the time of just thanking them uh, was really a big thing for me. And, you know, telling my mom, thank you for caring for me when I was sick. Thank you for providing for me. Thank you for, you know, serving me in all these different ways when I didn't respect you and when I didn't care for you. And just being able to confess to her and say, you know, sorry for the things I did that made your, you know, anxiety and your struggles worse than they had to be. Uh, it really was able to touch my heart and her heart and so it was really a good time for me and I think a big thing for me like right now I'm walking through like a lot of pain that I've denied uh, in my life for a long time and a lot of it is rooted in my family and my relationships with my parents and so being able to thank them uh, in spite of that even when I don't feel like fully thanking them sometimes was really big for me. Uh, to walk through that. Brandon is home with his parents, and he wrote, for me and my parents, it opened up an avenue to communicate our love for one another in a very forward, personal way. Afterwards, in the third part, I had the opportunity to share and confess sins I'd committed in my youth, especially sins of disobedience to them. I took it as a chance to really be open and clear about the fact that I'd lived and how I dishonored them. Initially, it was tough. You know, if it is tough, it's humbling. If it's humbling, God's going to honor it. Initially, it was tough, but much like thankfulness, when it began to flow, it gushed. So much of my life, I have blamed the difficulties I have experienced in my relationship with my family on my parents' divorce. But confessing to them where I messed up and discouraged them showed me that some, a lot of the difficulty came from my sinful response to it. For my parents, it gave them a window into my life that they had never seen before. They were surprised at some of the things I'd done, but overall they were very forgiving, 
which was so freeing to me. It was great not to feel like there was a huge burden of hidden things. There was, they were open with me. I was open with them. And God opened up avenues in a relationship that have never been open or have not been open for a very long time. So I look forward for you as you uh, go ahead and do this. And I'll send it to you so that you can work your way through it. So what I want to do tonight is just share some ways that you can honor your parents. First of all, you can honor them by obeying them. The Bible says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Sometimes young adults, because of spiritual experiences that they have outside the home, set themselves up as a standard and almost compete with their parents. I've talked to children who have talked about their parents in this way, that they see them as not that spiritual, as sometimes inept or not having much to share with them. And so they then have the choice of whether or not to obey. They set themselves up as an arbiter of truth, and that is very dangerous. The Bible says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, obviously, there comes a point which you break and your, your relationship with your parents changes. That changes especially in marriage, but it can also change as you leave the home and you, you are no longer there. You're no longer under their roof. But if that was the case before, then it should be dealt with so that that doesn't repeat itself. Home is the testing ground for you to learn how to respond to authority. You will, you will have authority in your life throughout your whole life. And if you can pass that test, you will live in peace because you know how to respond to authority. The sign of wisdom in Proverbs, one of the primary signs, one of the three most prominent signs, is your ability to handle a rebuke or correction. And if you have set your heart to honor your parents, you know how to handle rebukes. I'm so thankful that many of the guys that I mentor, when I correct them, which is not often, I'm not saying I do it often, but when I do, it's, it's pretty consistent. They say thank you. How wonderful to learn that as a young person. So when it happens with a boss or a pastor or a spouse, that there's not an allergic reaction in your heart that keeps you immature, that keeps you from entering into the inheritance that God wants to give you. So to honor them is to obey them. Secondly, you honor your parents by, uh, by valuing them. And you show value in different ways. I'm going to suggest some different ways that you show value to your parents. You show value to your parents by loving their children. How many of you have siblings? Okay. Now, I know that there's often a lot of friction between siblings. That is God-intentioned. If you look at sibling relationships in the Bible, pick some where there's obvious tension between two. Okay. Yep. It, it, it's consistent so often. Andrew and Peter, Martha and Mary, they're very different people. James and John, they write very different. So, what does that say about what God is doing? He's, he's bringing tension so that you can work through. Let me ask you this question. 
How many of you have unresolved conflicts with your siblings? Raise your hand. I'm surprised that there aren't more. I had one as a young person. I have five sisters, and the six of us paired off. God put us together, and I rubbed with my sister Lois. I was the religious one. She was the the fun-loving one, and I tried to control her life. And it, it took me a long time to get over my Phariseeism, and now we just love each other. It's resolved. If it's not resolved, God says to you, do whatever you can to resolve it. Because the sibling relationships are meant to be with you the rest of your life. My children, when they get together, they would rather get together, I think, and I've got at least one here tonight, they'd rather get together with each other. Oh, two, okay. Okay. Two out of six, okay. I think they'd rather be together with each other than with anybody else. There has been tension. We're, no, we're a normal, uh-oh. Okay, no testimony from over there. But I'm very grateful that they work through. We, we have tensions, and when we do, just like in the Harvest Project, we want to close that loop as best we can. If you learn how to close loops in tension, conflict becomes a positive thing. Conflict in, among siblings is good. Don't treat it like you want to avoid them. You're not learning your lesson. Get together and resolve it because then you'll be a better spouse. You'll be a better whatever God calls you to do. And you'll minister in the grace of God without reacting to people who remind you of your sibling. <clears throat> the next thing is to show, show gratitude. As Jacob showed to us, when there's a standoff, which there often is with young adults, there's a standoff that's created by expectations that aren't being met. He experienced it. Some of it was him. Some of it was his parents. Hey, anybody here have perfect parents? You just about raised your hand, Naomi, didn't you? <laughs> Whoa, it started going up. I was going to say, Yahoo! <laughs> Don't tell him any of the stories. We're just, we're just not. God throws us into this thing of child rearing. We don't even have a seminar, and we just start the process. We can mess up kids bad, and some of us do. Some people want to be parents in the worst way, and they are. So we have to be very forgiving, and, and as parents, we have to be understanding that we're going to wound people. And if we've been wounded, we're going to have problems. So how does that open up if there's a standoff? I could see some of the young guys, I could see them going home at Christmas time. And I said, what are, you, what are you expecting? They said, nothing. Why not? Because my parents don't talk. We don't talk about much. We don't talk about spiritual things. Are they Christians? Yes. Why don't you talk? I don't know. We're just not close. Do you want to be close? Yeah. Show gratitude. See, when you feel like you're entitled to more, some of you think you deserve better parents. Some of you compare your parents with somebody else's parents and think, I wish I had them. They seem more fun or they seem more spiritual. That's going to that's give you a sense of entitlement, which is going to create a standoff. Standoffs are, are fueled by entitlement. 
so that you don't want to express gratitude. You have expectations, and they've got to meet. They've got to come up to your place, and that's not going to happen. But if you reach out and start expressing gratitude in all things, give thanks, right? If you thank, what do you thank them for? Let's name some things that we're going to thank our parents for when you make your list. Good. Cookies, chocolate chip cookies when you come home from, from school. A house. Playing. Protection. Paying the light bill so that when we flipped the switch, the lights went on. Giving us transportation. Provision. Provision, provision, provision. Good humor. Mm. She's, got a, she's got a dad here. Okay, so you got the point. I hope you do it. I hope your list is long. And the reason you write it out, because your mom will carry that as a trophy in her purse, or she'll put it on her bathroom wall. It'll be a wonderful thing that will create a bridge. Complaining burns bridges. Gratitude builds them. Another thing is show value in your speech. Let me ask you, how do you talk about your parents with other people? Does the way you talk make other people want to meet your parents or do they picture them as a monster? I have met some of those parents. I thought I was going to meet, I was going to meet a monster and I met, hey, regular people, normal human beings. But because of what had been spoken, I had the idea that this is going to be really <laughs> difficult. I never had a counseling session with a monster before. So... <laughs> Think about how you... Now, what about if you were abused? I'm not saying you stuff it. That's important because some of you were abused. And to just pretend it never happened isn't going to fix things. And there needs to be the freedom to talk. But the way you do it and the people you do it with is important so that you reflect... uh, Grace to them and truth at the same time. If you expect your parents to be spiritual because you are, is that fair? Well, they don't ever go to church. (laughs) Well, they don't ever read the Bible. I'm always reading the Bible. I'd call that spiritual superiority. And God will not honor you. You are forfeiting your right to live a good and a long life if you badmouth your parents, either to them or about them, in a way that puts you up and puts them down. Those who dishonor God, he will honor. Those who dishonor God, he will dishonor. There are strong curses placed on children who don't hear this message, and I'm saying this because I really want you to live the kind of life God has for you. This is in the book of Proverbs 30, 17. And this, this took place, this happened to Absalom, who, was, who could have been the successor to David. He was most like David. But he had expectations of his father that his father didn't meet. Was David a good father? He wasn't the best father. He was a better fighter than a father. But he loved his son. 
He loved Absalom. And if Absalom had been able to reach out to him and open that relationship, David didn't know how to open it. But if Absalom was willing, he was, he was a charismatic personality. Unfortunately, he had resentment toward his father. And he died before his time because he uh, hated his father. Here's what it says in Proverbs. The eye that mocks a father. I hope no one here mocks your father. That scorns obedience to a mother. Oh, why should I clean my room? What a, oh, get lost. Oh, what, what? why do I have to come in? Why do I have to do, what? The eye that mocks a father, that scorns obedience to a mother, will be picked out by the ravens of the valley, will be eaten by the vultures. That's what happened to Absalom. Really sad. What a he could have been a hero for Israel, and he went in the other direction. So, I I trust that in your speech, if if your speech hasn't been honoring, and where it hasn't, that you you don't have to confess it to your parents. I think you confess it to the Lord, and then vow to change, so that people have a have a, a picture that they'd like to meet your parents. Show value with questions here's your chance they know you better than anybody else they've been studying you for 25 years or however old you are they've been watching you they stared at you when you were in the crib they they admired your every motion as a baby they love you some of them don't know how to show it maybe they didn't get it from their parents and they don't quite know how to show it They love you. You need to give them the benefit of the doubt. Cut a little slack. They they love you. It's very unlikely that anybody here has parents who hate them. And so you show value to them by going to them, by believing that God's going to speak to you through them, whether they're Christians or not. Ask them about your future. Ask them about their relationships. Ask them about about classes. Maybe you ought to take in college if you're there or work. What what am I good at? What have you seen in me? That was fun to hear. We had we had more, of course, the Harvest Project. So we had more responses. But it's fun to ask people that know you and then get their response. I said, be careful because they're going to. I said, ask about your strengths and about your weaknesses. And when they tell you about your weaknesses, don't react. Because they probably know. And the kids said, yeah, they nailed it. It was, it was, they knew me. What a wonderful thing to give to your parents to open up more communication. How they will thank you for asking those questions. It will draw their heart closer to you. Show value with time. I'm so thankful that Karen and I, when we were uh, married, at uh, newly married, that we used to go down to visit my parents almost every every day off, right? Well, it was once a month. Once a month, okay. We went down once a month, and we had a wonderful time with them. If there were things that needed to get done, I did them, and it was our way. We had lots of fun because it was a great place to be in the desert near Palm Springs. Yeah, and they, they got to uh, spend time with our kids. So heaven sees 
your commitment to time. You call your parents once in a while. Say, could you pray with me? I'm having a test. Thank you. Who, who was it that was going through something and, and shared that had a test? Wanted, yeah, Jacob, right. Thank you for that. So wonderful to value what they can give you. Show value with money. I wish I'd asked my parents when they were older, how is your finances? I never thought to do it. Some parents, as they get older, struggle financially. And wouldn't that be a wonderful thing if, as they gave to you for at least 20 years of your life or more, that you could give to them in their senior years? Wouldn't pay them back, but it would say, I value you. And I'm gonna I'm gonna lay it on the line in a very special way. Uh, I just wanted to say we had five years with my parents too in California. Yes. Before we moved back here, they came back from Japan, so we were able to kind of play tennis, go bike riding. He and I have gone bike riding almost every day until unless it gets real cold. And he's pushing me. He's pushing me. I'm not pushing him. (laughs) Eighty nine. I want to ride bikes when I'm 89. <laughs> I want to play my instrument every day, practice. My kids say, I want to learn how to live. I want to watch these two, the way they live, the way they love each other, the way they worship, the way they read the Bible, the way they have sports, the way they eat, the way they thank us, the way they praise the Lord. It's, it's nonstop. It's our privilege. So... Show value with affection. How many of you are in families that know how to show a lot of affection? I thought I was until I one day said, I heard this coming out of my mouth. They wanted to play a game. I didn't want to play it. It was too long. Settlers of Catan. I said, I'm not playing that game. That's three hours worth. You're crazy. I said, let's just have a talk instead. They said, that sounds fun. And I said, no, and here's what I said, and I hadn't planned it. Five seconds before I said it, I said, I want you to tell me where I've failed you as a father. They didn't even give me 10 seconds waiting. You th- we'd have thought they would have given me enough respect to just wait for 10 seconds before they jumped in. Chorus right away said, we're not a hugging family. I wanted to say, Whoa. But I, I const- uh, restrained myself, and I asked Andrew, is she right? He said, yeah. So... I had to learn more. I thought I was a pretty good hugger. (laughs) So very few of you raised your hands. I'm surprised. How many of you would like to be an affectionate family? Maybe maybe you like it that way. How many want an affectionate family that knows, okay, I commission you. I commission you. You're going to set the standard. Because you know why? You're not a hugging family? Because there was a time when they wanted to hug you and you pulled back. Remember? When you pulled back and and you felt a little uncomfortable and they were coming and their their timing was off and you pulled back. They feel uncomfortable. That really is hard. That really intimidates parents because they don't want to be pushy. And so they'll pull back. But if you say, you know, I wish we were more affectionate and just give them a big old embrazio, that'll open the door. To more emotion. Affection is a wonderful thing. The Bible says to show affection one to another. So it would be good if you you were better at hugging. We like to hug at the Harvest Project. You know what the most important times of a meeting are? The two most important times. 
That's right. The way you begin, the way you end. So we like to begin with a hug, and sometimes we forget at the end to hug. That's why we hug around here, because we, we want to touch. Because God reaches down and touches us. How are we doing? We're, we're, we're doing okay. We're going to get there. Then one other way to show value. This is a tough one. It's one of the hardest things for us here at Communitas, show value with service. It's difficult for us to find people consistently willing to show service. There are people like Eric who is outstanding. Shane is outstanding. Of course, Kat and others. But it's difficult to find people. I know it's hard to stay late and clean up. Somebody is going to. And often it's, it's, it's the few people do it over and over again. If you want to have a reputation in heaven, you just come early or go late or, or whatever you can do, learn how to serve. That's the high point. When they were talking about sitting in his right and his left, he said, no, that's not the model. Not, not over people. It's under. The lower you go, the higher you get in the kingdom of God. And so if you learn how to go low by lowly acts of service in your home. I have two kinds of people in my life. People who give me good ideas and people who do good ideas. I've got a list of to-do things. Don't give me any more good ideas. Do something. You know, do the dishes. Mow the lawn. Clean the garage. Vacuum the place. Do something. God loves it. Heaven, heaven recognizes it. That's why I think what we want to do with these other ministries is going to touch heaven because we're not saying we want to grow. So we want to make John Tolo's ministry grow. We want to make exchange grow. We want to give value to them and say, you're important to us. We don't care if the name is there. We just want to serve you. I just feel that that's, God is going to honor us because we're not trying to make any name for ourselves or build a ministry. We're trying to grow other people. So, by the way, we're meeting here on Monday, next Monday, at 6 o'clock to go over to Tolo's and work on his house. The Harvest Project, they're going to go. Boy, I'd like another 15. I know Israel is planning on going because he can fix things. And if we can get others clean, bring along a wash rag, a mop, a broom, wear dirty clothes, I'd love to see you here. I know it's busy, and it may not work for you, but if it does, we're just going to have a party of going together. I asked the Lord what my responsibility is in this season, and he made it very clear to me. He said, open doors. So I'm going. I did not go last year, but I'm going to, to lead, the, lead the parade as we go to uh, wherever we go, to the exchange or go to Tolo's, I'm going to lead it because I'm going to open doors, and then you're going to walk through, and some of you will do things that I won't be doing, like the thrift store or the, the food pantry, but I'm going to open the doors so that we can get there. So I'm going on Monday, and I hope some of you are able to go with us. You can either meet here at 6, and we'll leave at 6. We're going to eat at 5.30. We're going to leave at 6. So if you don't get here at 6, then meet down at Frogtown at John's place, and a lot of my kids know where it is if you need to know. Kat, can we put it on the, in the update? Okay. So then the, the, I got two more points. You honor them by thinking correctly. Let me share some ways that we need to think and need not to think. Honoring them does not mean changing them. 
I used to say to couples as a single man, this cute little phrase, don't get hitched at the altar if you have the itch to alter. Isn't that neat? (laughs) Then I got married. (laughs) And I got the itch. Because there were things that surprised me about her and things that surprised her about me. And so we each had our little mental list of things that we wanted to change. So now I'm telling people, if they come to me and come to Karen, we're going to say, hey, okay, write down all your, all your expectations, all your wonderful expectations, and then burn them. <laughs> and let God surprise you with what he does in, in your marriage. So you're not out to change your parents. You're not out to make them more spiritual. Don't do those things that expect them to be more spiritual because you're going to put tracts out or put the Bible out or put... Don't, don't manipulate them. Don't intimidate them. Just love them for who they are, where they are. Forgive them for what they haven't given you. Love them for what they have given you. Honoring them does not mean changing them. Listen, God gave you the right parents. I hope you all can say that. I'm going to say it. God gave you the right parents. Say, God gave me the right parents. You know how I know that? This is the most important aspect of your training. The most important. You didn't, God did not make a mistake in the parents he gave you. Josh McDowell, who has been used to reach, I think, literally hundreds of thousands all over the world, probably millions with his books and his teaching and his ministry, he was on the radio, and he was being interviewed, and he was telling about his alcoholic father. And the interviewer said, well, then you, you got the wrong father, right? He said, oh, no. I never would have been the person I am or done what I am doing, except God gave me this father. Listen to this. You know you are healed when you can thank God for how he has used the pain of your past. And the pain for many of you includes family that was less than, way less than satisfactory. It was hardship. It was suffering. It's not illegal to suffer. Suffering produces character. Character produces perseverance. Perseverance produces hope. So it's not illegal to suffer. I'm sad for those of you who who have gone through abuse, for those who have had a difficult life. God's going to use that. And the time will come when you're going to see, if you're open to it, when God will reveal to you why you had the very parents that you did. If you keep your heart open rather than being resentful. Or even even some of you that were uh, like Rebecca, that you were passed from place to place. Uh, God's already started to reveal to her why that was her destiny probably all of you know about the Asian culture and let's say the rest of the world our country versus the rest of the world what am I saying here about honoring parents and the difference how we as a country really have been more like uh, 
teenagers, let's say, and we have been independent, and well, independence, that was wonderful, but that was our weakness. And we have a lot to learn <coughs> from the Asian culture, as, as my folks and I grew up in Japan, seeing, uh, and speaking of Christians that were persecuted, but still honored their parents. Mm-hmm. They're very uh, careful to honor uh, those that are older than them, grandparents, parents, family, the family unit it is so important. And so we, we can learn from that. And, of course, we learn from God's word. Uh, but I, I just... It's beautiful th- thank how you they for... honor age. We honor youth, the fountain of youth. We want to try to stay young, and they honor age. It's just the opposite. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They bow. I was over there my first time. And I was standing next to him, and they had us bow, because that's what you do. I went down like this. He took my hand and pushed my head a little farther. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go my partner. So bless, bless all of you. You we really just, did. We're just... <laughs> we're, we still love you, Dad and Mom. And bless all of you as you just look to the Lord for strength and revelation and the lord will give you joy and peace in this assignment amen this is all good stuff thank you i i'm enjoying this i think it'd be a good idea for us to pray for our parents and think of something if we could think of something specific that our our parents need and share it with uh, the groups that we're going to break up in of maybe two, three, or four people, and we can just bless our parents tonight through prayers, if that sounds good that to you, sounds, Paul. That sounds fantastic. Okay. I've got a few more things okay. to do here, and right. I, but I'd like to do that. I, okay. I think I can finish up in about five minutes. That's a great idea, Bob. Another, another aspect of thinking, you are not a victim. Don't think of yourself as you've been victimized. We all are potentially victims, but if you're a victim, then you're going to keep yourself in that victim mentality and you won't change. But you'll expect the world around you to change. you expect your parents, your siblings, everybody over you. Expect people to understand you and you don't understand them. It's very difficult to, to get through to a victim. You're not a victim. Say, I am not a victim. Okay, you're not entitled. You're not I'm not entitled to... I, I don't deserve something better. I don't deserve a happier family. I don't deserve a... Because once you start talking about deserve, it puts you in a legal place where you're not living by grace. If we can all say, I don't deserve anything, but God's pouring it on. The prodigal came back, and he was just stunned at what he was receiving. He knew he didn't deserve it. And then he, he, he became the recipient of his father's gracious gifts because he found the secret to to receiving it, realizing that you don't deserve it. Okay, finally, you honor them by forgiving them. Let me tell you what forgiveness is not. Forgiving does not mean forgetting. Forgiving does not mean it was okay for them to wound you or neglect you. Forgiving does not mean it did not hurt or does not hurt. 
Forgiving does not mean that you must be under their authority if you have left home or that you give them the freedom to keep hurting you. What does forgiving mean? Forgiveness, forgiving means tearing up the IOU. It says that they have owed you things, but you're not going to make them pay up. Because if you do, the chances of them paying up are slim to zero. I've asked thousands of people, do you think they're going to pay up? I've never once had yes. It's not gonna, probably not going to happen. It could if you open the door. But it's better to tear up the IOU. Which, what an IOU is is what, what my parents owe me. My parents owe me respect. My parents owe me time. My parents owe me affection. My parents owe me uh, consideration. My parents owe me teaching me about sexuality as I grew up. My parents, a lot of things, and I keep that in my pocket. And as I think about them, I feel bitterness because of what they didn't give me. And so what I need to do is I need in my heart to tear up that IOU. Now, it's not saying those things wouldn't have been good. They would have been wonderful, but they didn't give them to you. Thank God for what you got and forgive them for what they didn't give you. Forgiving does mean not speaking ill of them with others and not holding on to offenses. If you can understand intention, what is their intention? They love you. They intend to do you well. Sometimes they don't know how to do that. But give them, a, give them a break. Cut them some slack. They're trying as best they can. Sometimes they, it's, it doesn't work well. They didn't learn. We had a guy in our church who was one of these extra grace required type of people. He was obnoxious. He was loud. We went over to his home, and before I met his dad, I heard him in the other room. Loud. I could just tell he was obnoxious. I said, now I understand. Behind the deed is the need. Behind the fruit is the root. Our friend had bad fruit, and he had a bad root. If they had difficult time growing up, if they had a bad root, the fruit's going to be harder to bring forth. And so cut them some slack. Give them some grace, because it's going to affect you and your ability to walk into your future. I want to just read a couple scriptures, and then uh, I'm going to pray for you, and then I like what you said, Bob, for us to do. So why don't you come on up here. A fool despises his father's instruction, but he who receives correction is prudent. Every one of you shall revere his mother, and his father. Leviticus 19.3 Now then, my sons, listen to me. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not ignore it. Whoever finds me, wisdom, finds life and receives favor from the Lord. The wise in heart accept commands, listen to advice, and accept instruction. And in the end, you will be wise. And I just want to say that's one of the best messages I've ever heard Paul Anderson preach. And that's one of the most needed messages because he dealt with the reality we need to honor our parents, but also the reality that 
some of us really come from broken homes. And God gives us the grace to process those things and honor our parents. And um, as I mentioned before, I really felt that the Lord wants us to honor our parents tonight by thinking of a specific need. Every one of our parents, they, they have needs, right? And we probably know some of those needs. And we probably don't pay or, or pray enough for our parents or their needs. And so now is a wonderful time to do that. So I, what I'd like us to do is break up in groups of about three or four and share with the group one of your parents' needs and stand in agreement and pray for them. Okay? So let's do that right now. Find some people to connect with. <laughs>